0: Lock Talk Radio. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa right Claus, down Santa Claus Lane. Like Stone Blitz, and now there's a reindeer pulling all the rain. Well done. Sing your stockings and say your prayers Because Santa Claus comes tonight coming Santa Claus, come Santa Claus Right down Santa Claus Lane
1: He's got a bag that's filled with toys For boys and
0: girls again Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle jangle. What a beautiful sight Jump in bed and cover up your head Because Santa Claus comes tonight the tons are hiccuping, son, the tons are right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're in the joy. Ho he loves you just the same. Santa knows that we're God's children, that makes everything right. Fill your hearts with charisma, cheers. No, oh, Santa Claus comes tonight. But while the hiccuping, son, the tons are hiccuping, son, the tons are right down Santa Claus Lane it will come around when the chimes ring out. It's Christmas morning again. Peace on earth will come to all. We just follow the light. Let's give thanks to the Lord above. Go, oh, Santa, Lord, oh, Santa. boys and girls of all ages, this is Santa, reminding you that I'm making my list and checking it twice, because I'll be coming down your chimney real soon. And remember, if I bring you a Red Ryder BB gun, please be very, very careful, or you might shoot your eye out. But for now, just sit back and enjoy this Movie Attic Headquarters rerun episode about one of my all-time favorite holiday films, A Christmas Story. Ho-ho!
2: feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That's right, Dorothy. This is Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you from beautiful Pueblo, Colorado on the 15th of December, 2009. With the holiday season upon us, all members of our movie attic headquarters gang including producer extraordinaire nikki star and our talented co-host jazz shaw are here to salute a classic holiday film one that's even more popular now than when it was first released in 1983 like millions of movie fans i enjoy a christmas story every time i see it and believe me i've watched it many many times Happily, our special guests are Julie Matthews and Zach Ward from the original film, as well as Mad Movie Man, film critic A.J. Hockery, one of our regular guests. Zach played the scary red-headed bully in the original movie, and we'll hear from him later in the show. Julie was one of the carolers, but she also helped with casting, I believe, uh, finding extras for A Christmas Story, and she's on the line now. It's my Great pleasure to welcome her to Movie Addict Headquarters. Hi, Julie. Thanks for being Hi. one of our guests today.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am I welcome talking about A Christmas Story. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and um, I think it's a fabulous film, and I think everybody should see it.
2: <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> think we'll find out. <laughs>
3: lives, I think everyone who lives on the planet Earth should see the movie.
2: I agree with you and we may um we may have to face that particular problem a little later on in the show but I wanted to yeah. know how did you how did you happen to become involved in this wonderful movie
3: Well as a young actress in the uh mid 80s I had just come back from New York City uh I had studied acting at Lee Strasberg Actor Studio and HB Studio in New York and I was a budding young actress and uh I, that's what I had my sights on as a career choice, and when I heard that they were going to make a movie in Cleveland, I got all excited, and I, you know, I did what I needed to do to submit myself, and um, I, I, I am a vocalist, so I kind of travel in vocal circles, and there were um, notices, you know, that went out for singers, and I did get cast as a caroler, and as I was Uh, got called to come on the set to uh, be in that big opening scene. Uh, You know, the opening scene of the movie is in downtown Cleveland at public square where they converted um, the public square to uh, an old fashioned, it looked like my childhood. And uh, they, the casting woman, uh, a a big portion of the movie was um, also filmed in Canada and, a lot of the crew people were canadian so she was running around like crazy cuz there really weren't enough people it wasn't the crowd scene wasn't big enough and they needed oh. bodies and they needed people so she was running around like a crazy woman and she was just very flustered and and she was the person i was dealing with as an extra as a you know person that was there you know as a, as an extra and and right. i just kind of stopped her she was like running and i said excuse me and I like got right in her face and I said, "Do you need some help?" And she said, <laughs> "Are you from?" She said, "Are you from Cleveland?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Do you know where I can get a bunch of actors?" I go, "Yeah," because I had you know been doing theater for you know a few years and I knew all the theaters and you know I knew all the actors in town because they all did theater back then. And I said, "Sure." And she said, "Then come with me." And she put me in the casting office and I sat you know for a couple of days making telephone calls. And I realized that I loved being on that side of the telephone. You know, it's very hard for an actor to be sitting at home. uh, And, you know, Zach Ward can certainly, you know, confirm this. It's hard for an actor to be sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring to tell you you got a part in a movie. It was much more fun being in the casting department, calling people and telling them they come to get to be in a movie. So I love that little bit of power Um, And it changed the course of my career. I realized that day that I did not want to be an actor. I wanted to be on the other side of the telephone. And I did the, you know, extras casting for the Cleveland um, portions of A Christmas Story. And, um, you know, the rest is history because I've been a casting director ever since. And um, I have, you know, a pretty extensive casting profile. Um, well, you
2: certainly do yeah. i mean you've, yeah. you've you the things that you've done since our Christmas story mm-hmm. are it's yeah. one of the most impressive resumes that i've that I've seen my gosh you well I'm
3: certainly not a you know i'm not a Janet uh you know a not in that group of Hollywood casting directors, but you know for someone who has never uh been in hollywood or, or needed to, you know, live in Hollywood, I um, I think I've done pretty well in the casting realm, and I do a lot of casting and working in films in uh, Canada as well.
2: Well, good for you. I mean, it's just a special treat to, to have you on the show, and, and it's also uh, great that the Mad Movie Man could join us again. Um, as we were saying before the show began, Julie, uh, A.J. is a very tough critic, but I think he loves a Christmas story almost as I do. AJ, hi. Do you have a favorite scene from A Christmas Story?
4: Hi, Betty Joe. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, it's really hard to pick one of my favorite scenes from A Christmas Story because the movie, for me, just works as a whole. The whole thing is one singular being that is just so good and so memorable. But for like a scene that kind of stands out for me, and I don't know really why, but it's the scene where they go, uh, Ralphie's parents and Ralphie, they go looking for a Christmas tree. And I just love that whole exchange between the Christmas tree man and the parents, and they're just going back and forth and bargaining. And it's just this funny little scene, and it exemplifies the, the movie's uh, skill and how it can make a scene of just going to get a Christmas tree just exciting and fun, just enjoyable to watch. It's a testament to that movie's talent.
2: I like that scene too. It was just uh, every every little uh, movement by each actor, even the guy that was selling the trees, perfect. It was just absolutely perfect, and it's always such fun having you uh, here on the show, AJ. And, of course, we're fortunate to have Nikki and Jazz here to help with the show as usual. Nikki, are all systems going in our chat room?
1: Yes, ma'am, they are, and we are very glad to have you back.
2: Well, uh... We're all very happy to be back. We've we've missed uh, having shows because of, uh, I think it was a BTR flu that was going around or something. (laughs) So it is great to be be back. And I want to thank the people who signed up for the chat and to all our other listeners. And I, I hope everyone enjoys the show. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jazz is also here, but we've saved him for last to introduce because we are a little bit upset with him right now, and I'm going to let Jazz explain. He's got some explaining to do. So Jazz, you're on.
5: You know, I, 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 I was going to feel terrible, but after all of the abuse, I, I have to say I'm not feeling so bad anymore. Yes, it is true. I am possibly one of the only people in America who has never seen the film A Christmas Story. I have watched, uh, you know how many movies I watch. I have a humongous library. I watch them on TV. I love the classics. Uh, Probably every other Christmas film you could name I've seen. I have never, ever caught this film. But I'm excited to hear about it. I understand, uh, just to start off with the first question, it's about a bank robbery of some sort, and Santa Claus rescues the hostages?
2: (laughs) You see, what, uh, Julie, are you going yeah. to are you going to are you going to set him straight on that? What do you have to say to Jazz about that?
3: I I I said what I had to say to Jazz. I can't even believe he lives on the planet Earth since 1983. Well, he may not. I mean, I don't know how old Jazz is. He might have been born after you know, not been on the planet since 1983.
5: But even so, in 1983, yeah. I was already retired from the military, my dear. Okay. But Here's what I <laughs> want to
3: tell you. Here's what I want to say to Jazz and anyone else who's out there who's a, who, you know, I'm sure they're not listening to your show unless they are a movie uh, fan, a movie addict, a movie person. And I would right. say that anyone who has not seen A Christmas Story will, especially if you're a guy, because I consider A Christmas Story a guy's movie. I think men uh, and boys they really, really love this movie. This is a guy's flick. You know how they say this is a chick flick? This is definitely not, A Christmas Story is not a chick flick. It's a guy's flick. And men love this movie. And you are really, really needing to see it because it's just, it's, well, I'm going to save my answer because one of the questions that you had for me, um, I'll come back to it um, and tell you the reason why I think you need to see it so badly, but it, it is an answer to a to another question later. Well, I
2: think you've pretty well set the record straight here with Jazz, and I almost um, envy Jazz because he's in for a real treat.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, so, wouldn't it be great to see it for the first time? I mean, yeah. knowing how great it is. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, so, Jazz, we're going to let you stay on the show, because we, we do love you, and I know you have some questions for Julie about A Christmas Story, even though you haven't seen it. So, so, what would you like to know, first and foremost?
5: I don't know. I, I, I just feel so bad now. I feel like crawling away into a shell somewhere and hiding. <laughs>
2: no, you
3: don't have to hide. You don't have to hide. Just, just watch the movie, because really, you, you if you love movies, you are going to love this movie. This is a, just, it, it's delicious. That's all I Well, I'm we, gonna... we,
5: we better kick off the questions, but in my own defense, I will say, Betty Joe, I still meet people of various ages to this day who have never seen Casablanca. And you tell me which movie is more famous. So, I don't know.
2: Nobody's but, perfect.
5: Exactly. Yes. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Everybody, you know, has those little spots.
2: But-
4: I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go, Jazz, because I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I've never seen it.
2: Really? Wow. We are uncovering some 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 very the horrible secrets, secrets here today. <laughs> wow. I know. The <laughs> entire
5: cast is getting into this whole uh, you know stult of just you know just releasing
2: confessions. But you
5: took part in this film, and obviously, I am aware exactly how much a classic it is. So, give us uh, share with us uh, some of your favorite memories of, of doing it.
3: Hmm. Fondest memories. Um, I, I would have to say that probably the fondest memory I have is just walking into Public Square and seeing what they did with it to recreate, um, you know, a, a nostalgic, you know, late 40s, 50s kind of vibe because uh, I won't give my age away, but it looked just like my childhood. You know, my my mother worked uh, at Halley's in Public Square when I was a child, oh. and she brought me to um, see Santa Claus um, to downtown Cleveland, the Public Square. It was all lit up. You know, Higbee's had their, you know, that window it it was very nostalgic and it it really brought back my childhood and it was just so delightful to to see it just like it was when i was a kid and one of also one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he walks up to see Santa Claus and the set the way the set looked with Santa Claus way up on that thing you know oh, yeah and, and it was just so magical and so mysterious and so scary and overwhelming and intimidating and they really you know the the set designers just really recreated exactly how a cleveland downtown downtown uh, department store used to make santa claus it was very intimidating for children it was scary but it was very exciting and it was very magical and wonderful and you know with the way they bring him up the stairs and and yes. you know kids are like you know scared and because it, it, it was kind of like that i remember that and so, when I watched the movie, and when I was there you know in in the filming of it, it was like, "Wow, this is very you know brings you back to you know the fifties, you know being a kid you know or i mean, I wasn't a kid in the fifties, but it had that that feeling to it, and I know um, very, very I, nostalgic feeling, and that that's probably my my fondest memory of." the movie it's just being a part of recreating my childhood basically
2: and they did a very good job of, of the details the period details in that in that okay. film I was very impressed with that AJ um, what would you like to uh, ask Julie to start out with
4: uh, yeah I had a question about uh, the movies director Bob Clark who uh, as a lot of viewers uh, might not know is actually a very, was actually a very versatile director because before Christmas Story, he was responsible for uh, the 80s comedy Porky's, and then back in the 70s, he did the original Black Christmas, which a lot of people, cons- which came out before Halloween, that a lot of people consider, like, the grandfather of the modern slasher movie. But, uh, Julie, from your standpoint, how, how did uh, Bob Clark, uh, how did his style help uh, the performances come through?
3: well you know here's the thing i I, that might be a better question for zach because honestly i really wasn't in on that and i think bob clark is a genius and i think um i think uh every single aspect you know a director is the director of the movie they they control every aspect of the film and I think the genius of a of a great filmmaker is that he surrounds himself with people that really really get it and know what they're doing and and know how to get his vision on screen and he surrounded himself with really great people with per people that did perfect casting he surrounded himself with great set designers and and you know great cinematography and great music mu, uh sound composers and so every aspect of the film is in my mind perfect because it's you know he surrounded himself with really great people Um, as far as getting performances from the actors that's probably a better well I don't know if that's actually what you asked me but um, to get wonderful performances and directing the actors I really wasn't in on that part of it but Certainly as a casting director and a producer of films, you know, 25 years later, I know that, you know, he's, he was pretty, very good at it. But I think the way the movie translates on screen and its popularity and why it's, a, it's already a classic film is because he really surrounded himself with really great people that really knew how to get what he needed to get Don done done. I that's, think you're right about that, content. and
2: yeah, and we will hear Zach talk about uh, working with Bob Clark in in just a few minutes, and he really is very complimentary uh, about uh, that filmmaker, just as you are, uh, Julie. AJ, do you have another question for Julie?
4: Uh, I do about the because uh, Christmas Story when it first came out, it was a fairly modest hit, and as the years went by, the audience grew and grew, and the past few years there have been like conventions and meetings and such. So uh, what was your reaction to serving as a panelist last year at the Movies uh, Reunion?
3: Well, the one thing, um, I was a little surprised at, uh, you know, how many people traveled from so many parts of the world, you know, that, uh, that loved this movie. Now, I happen to know because... I go to Canada quite a bit. Um, it is a huge, huge favorite in Canada. And I'm talking about yeah. not not just in, like, uh, Toronto or, you know, more, but in the French uh, cities of Canada, like Montreal and Quebec City. These people love this movie. And even though a lot of them don't even speak English, that, you know, they – it's got a universal appeal this film so i already know that its popularity is definitely there but what i was surprised about was how many people traveled from so many different parts of the world to come to this convention to you know catch a just a piece of the Christmas Story action and and get a glimpse of you know an actor that they loved or you know to hear some inside stories and and it was wonderful for me to um uh you know reconnect with some of the people because I was young you know I mean I was just I was a young actor and uh, I was thrilled to be there but I was really kind of stuck in a casting office so you know I didn't get a chance to really. Uh, get to know any of them. So it was really nice to be able to actually sit down with them and get to know them a little bit. I really enjoyed meeting the musical composers.
2: Uh, that must have been a Carl fun and, a funny yeah, event. Carl and so,
3: Paul, you know.
2: Yeah. But uh, are they do they are they planning any other reunions that you know about? Or conventions? Um
3: I, I don't know. Um they were doing it in Cleveland every year.
2: Oh, just- wow, and they had a, I think they have the, the house that the Parkers yeah. lived in. I think that's right. that's uh,
3: like that's a, a treasure there. Not. Yeah, there's that, a museum. The store, the, the house now is a museum, so you can go through it, and they have little tours. and you can see, you know, the whole house inside. Uh, they've rec- tried to recreate it. Um, you know, I don't know if you know the history of it, but um, Brian uh, Jones, who made the leg lamp, he bought the house. And he, he gutted it, yeah. And he gutted it, and cr- and he's from California. And he he tried to map it out to look like, you know, the design of it to look like it looked in the movie.
0: Uh, so I wonder to that's
3: the uh, the a, same
5: house that everyone is talking about in the chat right now, with the museum, and they have like the leg lamp in the window and things. So
3: right, the house, the house that's in the movie, okay. The house that's in the movie The Front of the House, the outside, the exterior shots are the mo- is the house that's in Cleveland, okay? The inside of the house, no, that that's not that house. But that's what I'm saying, Brian just bought the house and then he wanted to do tours through the house and he has he has a lot of items from the film that are on display inside the house, you know, that are actual pieces from the movie. Uh, but he acquired those and put them in the house. But the inside of the house was not the house that's in the movie.
5: Now you touched oh, on I this see. a little bit already in in terms of deciding what side of the camera you want to be in, what aspect of the production process. <laughs> but uh, you know, how how do you think that particular movie affected your career in, in other ways, as far as balancing acting versus production work and things like that?
3: Well, uh, like I said, it it definitely changed the course of my career, absolutely. I mean, I would have probably, you know, I don't know, at some point in my career, I probably would have moved into the casting arena because I was always kind of good at that, even in acting class. My teacher used to, as soon as the scene was over, my teacher would look at me and say, Julie, what did you think? You know, so I kind (laughs) of always knew that I had more of a director's side or more of a, of a, you know, coaching, acting coaching side, which is what casting directors have to do um, anyway when they're casting, is do a lot of directing. So, um, but it, you know, having had the opportunity to do it at such a young age to work in casting, it did change the course of my career. I immediately, I knew that day when I was sitting there in their office that that's it. I don't want to be an actor anymore, even though I just went to New York and studied and, and spent all my money and lived in New York and struggled Uh, I don't want to do that this is what I want to do I want to do this this is what I like so
2: yeah well you've been an agent too you've been an agent a Mm -hmm. vocalist a model a TV director a publicist writer talent scout and you've even appeared on screen in such movies as Major League and Robert Roberts how do you find time also to direct the American Performing Arts Network you are a busy lady (laughs)
3: I know. Well, I'm an entrepreneur,
2: <laughs> you know,
3: just like, well, really like any struggling actor and everybody, you know, all actors, they never know when where their next job is, you know, we just kind of go wherever there's work and whenever there's work and, you know, we just, we have a schedule and, you know, you, like when you emailed me, can you do it this day? I put it on the calendar, you know, it's like, that's how we have to work. You know, and we
2: were very efficient at that too. Chaz mentioned the chat, and I uh, we haven't had a chance to check with Nikki to see um, to give us a, a report about what's going on in the chat room. Nikki, anything you'd like to anything else you'd like to share with uh, Julie and uh, AJ uh, from the chat
1: room? Well, we just had the funnest conversation about the leg lamp. and of course that I want one so bad I've always wanted one and then we went there was people in the chat room saying that their fathers tell them how much the movie reminds them of when they were growing up that they got it exactly right on for things when they were growing up which I thought was awesome absolutely and then yes and then (laughs) um, just the fact that it's the kind of movie that is good for everybody it's it's a funny movie it is it's good for guys, it's good for girls, it's good for kids. I, I just love the movie.
5: And everyone every mother mother seemed has to agree that I was an abomination against mankind, if that's any It's true. So.
1: And <laughs> everybody told him where, the, where he could watch it everywhere, and how he hasn't seen it is. But it's such a movie that you're going to like because of your sense of humor.
3: I, I get yes. no kickback from the, um, from the museum, uh, cr- Christmas Story Museum store, but I can tell you that the house, that is, you know, on the tour in Cleveland. If you go to see the house, right across the street from the house, they bought that house and turned it into the to a Christmas story museum store, which I'm sure you can, you know, find these things online as well from the museum store. But if you love the leg lamp, they have everything leg lamp. They have the leg lamp <laughs> game.
0: They so have great. the leg
3: lamp itself in all different sizes you could buy from a full size one to a little night light of of the leg lamp you could buy a jigsaw puzzle you i mean they have tons of leg lamp um merchandise and and Brian Jones he he built the leg lamp. He created it. So, you know, there's there's lots of leg lamps out there to be had if you want one and you love it and you want one in your house. And and believe me, I get no kickback from the store to say this I'm not trying to sell it. I'm just saying if there's fans out there who want a a leg lamp, they're they are they are are definitely out there to have. That's,
2: good, good, that's good I want to him. I
1: think we all. And then one to other thing, with. every yes, I know I do, but every everybody, every boy, and I don't know it might be girls too, but everybody said their mom said you can't have a baby gun; you'll shoot your eye out. Every mother, has. <laughs> everyone, every mother definitely has said that at one time. I, I have another. to say the most.
4: I have to say the most daring piece of uh, Christmas story memorabilia I have. I have the Christmas story Monopoly edition.
2: <laughs> oh. Gee, you're so lucky. I'm, I'm so jealous. And, and it's you know, not coming out of
4: the box. It's staying right where it is.
2: I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, before we get into um, hearing uh, from uh, Zach on his taped uh, interview, we do have time for, for one more question for Julie. Uh, AJ, uh, I think you, you had another question you wanted to ask her.
4: Uh, yeah, Julie, can you tell us a bit about your uh, current project, Supernatural?
2: Well, um,
3: we we're currently just trying to get um, funded. You know, as any filmmaker, you know, struggling filmmaker who has a wonderful script and a you know and a uh, celebrity cast, and uh, we have a website and we we filmed a trailer. Um, the trailer on the website it looks like we filmed the movie, but we didn't. We just filmed a trailer, um, and we did that to solicit um, private investors because. We want it to be an independent film, but we are talking to several. Uh, uh, we are talking to several production companies right now that uh, we hope will uh, come on board, and so we're just out there trying to get it uh, into production. But in the meantime, uh, anybody that is interested in it can go uh, look at um, www.supernaturalmovie.com. And I want to emphasize that supernatural is spelled S O U P, like the soup that you eat, or, <laughs> that. or slurp, however you, whatever you do with soup. Um, and that's because the movie is about a soup miracle, and uh, mm-hmm. a miracle with soup. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it's called. And the website is supernaturalmovie.com, and you can watch Com. the trailer, and you can keep updated um, on that.
2: Um, Oh, that's but I would like to
3: say I would like to say definitely in uh, um, closing that I think that um, a Christmas story I think it's so widely popular and will remain a classic forever is because it is a timeless um, it is a timeless story and it's a story that everybody can relate to every kid who's ever wanted. Uh, that certain thing for Christmas, which it's you know a lot. Of people, they know what that was like, and this kid just um, you know
2: he captured it. He did. And the he was writer Peter captured Delicative. it, and the
3: director captured it, and the music captured it, and the cinematographer captured it, and. Um, And I'm working on a – this is another little piece of information that you might be interested in. I wrote another script that is a – takes place during Christmas. It's not really a Christmas story, but it takes place during Christmas. And I am currently – I'm convinced that this is absolutely a script for the little group of filmmakers uh, that is Peter Billingsley – Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. Mm.
2: So this oh, script, I think you would this be script so is
3: going to them. This
0: script,
2: great. and we're gonna,
0: going to
3: that we're going to
2: send you good vibes on that. And I Thank I you. hope I that you'll come it. back come back and talk with us uh, about about your uh, other yeah. I need projects. all of your
3: listeners because you know if anybody who's a Peter Billingsley fan knows all these movies he's been in and without credit without screen credit, I don't know why he does that. But uh, he's like, some of, some of these films, he just wants to be kind of like under the radar, and uh, it's kind of funny, but uh, they, this group of guys, you know, they make these movies, and I have a, I have a script for them. So if your readers are, uh, just put it out there, you know, and send, send the good vibes my way.
2: Well we certainly will do that, and you've been a terrific guest today we We do want to make sure that we uh we uh get to hear from from zach and can you- uh will you be able to stay with us uh, during during zach's interview no i i
3: have um another meeting to go to, so i'm gonna cut out and uh but is zach live or or you no know? he's it's
2: a tape it's a taped interview okay. so okay. so uh, when you when you hear the uh, you you'll listen to the show when we send you the link to the archive and okay. you'll be able to great. maybe be able to hear it but thank you again right. for being on our show and best thank wishes and happy happy holidays to you Julie you've been thank a great you, guest thank you too
3: enjoy take care Julie and jazz jazz yes, ma'am what are you going to do tonight when you get home uh actually I'm
5: already home and I'll what probably are you going to do and-
3: when you get off the phone, you're going to go to the video store and you're going to rent a Christmas story and watch I
5: it. I never go to the video store. I'm a Netflix baby.
3: <laughs> okay, it order, Net- it.
2: Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> order, order it. Order it. Order it. Wow. Jazzy, you,
4: Jazz, you can borrow my Laserdisc now. copy. I'll send it to you. All
2: That's right. okay, AJ.
4: It's
5: in exchange because I was just getting my Christmas present for you ready and had gotten the address just jotted down because I'm sending you my, my own copy of uh, iron man and and also of hancock so i, I, I enjoyed that
2: <laughs> we're getting Dean. into some sibling we're getting into some sibling quarrels here julie but it's, thank you again for being on the show and bye awesome. for now love you. <laughs> bye Julie. Okay. Uh,
1: bye oh she and was, by the way oh. it's just so you know she was awesome and jazz a christmas story streams on netflix right so he he
2: has no excuse mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he'll want no. to see it even more after he hears the Zach now i want to tell our listeners that we did extend the time of today's show because we weren't sure how long it was going to run and uh, so uh we will be uh we do have an hour for the show so we're going to listen to Zach's interview now and i think we'll have some time to talk a little bit about that after the interview so if i can work this correctly this should play Zach Ward's taped interview and i'll I'm stick around so after that as long as i'm that not fired Zach Ward agreed to be part of our tribute to a christmas story because who can forget the villain Farkas, and that's the part that Zach played. He's one of my favorite characters in the Christmas story, and he's here on the line right now. I want to bring him on. Hi, Zach. Welcome to movie Attic headquarters.
6: Uh, hi how are
2: you well, I'm just fine i'm I'm just so happy that you you could be that you could be with us and I, you have been such a busy person since back in 1983. I was looking up on Internet Movie Database. You've got over 80 films and TV appearances to your credit since then. And um, I know how hard it was to get get in touch with you. You're you're shooting for a Dollhouse now. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, we're doing the final episode of the, the entire series. Uh... Exciting actually.
2: Well that has, that particular show has really gotten a lot of fans and, and it's it's very, very interesting. So and, and you're in um, you were in a movie that's my producer's favorite. You were in Transformers, is that correct?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I played Sergeant Donnelly in the Sergeant First Transformers Donnelly.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, before Nicky, I got
6: by Scorpinox.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nikki is going to be really, really excited to to hear about that. And, but the main uh, reason that we wanted to talk with you today was, uh, of course, to get your reactions to being a part of the movie, A Christmas Story, which is just, as far as I'm concerned, the the best movie ever made for uh, for Christmas. And I wondered, how did you get the role of Farkas?
6: Well, when I, uh, we sh- part of it was shot in Toronto, Canada. Uh-huh. And I was from Toronto, and I auditioned um, against three, 400 other kids, and it went down from 300, down to 150, down to 100, down to 80, down to 50, down to 20, down to 10, down to five, down to me. Uh, so it was audition, audition, audition. And I was like a little kid, and I had never done a, I was 13, I'd, now, I'd done commercials, but I had never done a movie before. And... uh then I How, old uh, How old were you?
2: How old were you then? I was
6: 13.
2: 13.
6: Yeah, I was 13 years old. And uh, so then I get the I get the job, and it's very exciting. And we do wardrobe, and then we go to the location uh, out in I think it was uh, yeah, it was in Cleveland. And I had met the guy Yano Anaya, who played Grover Dill. And <laughs> you know we were hanging out a bit, and then we were putting on our they put our wardrobe on me on us. And they took us out to see Bob Clark. And this, for me, was the first time i met Bob Clark because I had been auditioning in Toronto, not in California where he lived. Uh, wow. So all the auditions had been via tape. Um, and then uh, I'm standing in front of Bob with Yano and Naya, and the wardrobe mistress puts her hand over me and puts her hand over Yano and says, this is your sketch Marcus. this is your Grover Dill. And I guess that was the first time Bob had noticed that or had re- seen the size difference and noticed that I was probably about nine inches taller than Yano. So oh. he looked at me, and he looks at Yano, and he goes, um, okay, you get his lines, he gets yours. He switched. Line. Yeah, switched it right there. Um, so Scott Farkas was originally, in the script, Grover Dill's toady, and then he got flipped that Grover Dill... Let's get Frankie
2: Oh my gosh! Well, that was a, a sort of a, a blessing for you, wasn't it, to get to get Absolutely. this role? Yes, well, it, and you
6: know, it was. Uh, honestly, if you look at how the two of us—if you look at the film, and you see the two of us trying to flip those roles back the other way. I don't know. I think maybe because I had the braces and the slanty eyes and the and the, the evil-looking face. I think I made uh, a more terrifying bully, um, and it just worked out great. Right? But it it was, did it work was, out. It was genuinely like a, a moment of ephemera that pretty much changed my life.
2: I guess it did, and and uh, you certainly were uh, a memorable villain in this movie. But what's your most vivid um, memory about working on A Christmas Story?
6: Um, working with Bob Clarks. Uh, with him directing me and have, going over scenes. I mean, that was the first film I'd ever done, and I didn't know how to be a film actor, and Bob was so genuine and comfortable with kids, um, he's a, he, he himself being a father, that he would treat us like little professionals that needed to do their job and needed to earn the respect of the set and the crew by being professional. Not unkindly so, but stern, uh, strong, direct. And when I, if I messed up a line, Bob would come over and go, okay, let's run that again. Say it again. And I'd say the line. He'd go, okay, good. Say it again. Good. Say it again. Say it again. What was that line? Say it again. Okay. <laughs> and he say that with me. So I was saying without even thinking about it, and I lost my nerves, and I was comfortable. And he's like, you're doing a great job. You can stay focused, and you can get it done. Thank you. And then when I did finish the scene, and it worked out great, and I, you know, I was a little kid, I was 13. So uh, when I got my focus going, and he'd come over and give me a big hug, and go, "That was awesome! Way to go! Nice job!" And you really, he inspired uh, the actors, the young actors, through make helping them want to do the best job they could. As there was no yelling uh, at anybody, but there was also no pandering to. Childness. there's no there's no pandering to like, oh, did baby want to have a blanket? It was your professional your job and it was it was a standard that I've maintained throughout the rest of my life and well that he was must, must
2: have been wonderful to to work with and uh how how great that he he did know how to work with uh, youngsters because there were so many yeah. of them in that uh, in that film was he that way with ev- with everyone uh, yep. every one of the youngsters.
6: Yeah, he was just great. He was he was such a sweet, kind man, and so passionate about what he did, and so uh, big-hearted. He's very much missed.
2: Well, he certainly uh, directed a masterpiece, as far as as far as I'm concerned, and it was absolutely perfect, perfect casting. And I can't help asking you. Zach, about your real-life relationship with, with Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, of course. you. I mean, my goodness, you were bitter enemies in that movie, and the, and the fights, <laughs> the fight scenes were so believable. What, what were your, did you know him before, or did you meet him, no, and okay. what kind of relationship did you have uh, off the set?
6: Well, I didn't know any of the other kids, because uh, everybody else but me was from Los Angeles, um, I knew who Peter was because he was on uh, That's Incredible, and he was also the kid from the Messy Marvin commercials. And so, I, of course, I had seen him, um, but I had never met any of them before. Or Scotty Schwartz from the Toy and Kid Show. Uh-huh. Um, so actually, we were just a bunch of kids having fun, and offset off we all hung out and played together.
2: Is <laughs> that uh, right?
6: Yeah. We would run around the hotel in Cleveland causing problems and try not to get in trouble for it. Um, yeah, the big joke was always to send, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, we would order room service for other people's rooms. Fine, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we got along great. There was there was none, none of that sort of... Uh, uh, method acting where I was the bully and therefore I was going to hate everybody. No, I was just a 13-year-old kid having a lot of fun and getting to play. So we got along great, and then, you know, we everybody went their separate ways. I saw Scotty. I started to be friends again with Scotty Schwartz probably about 15 years ago, um, 15, 16 years ago. And then when I moved to Los Angeles from Toronto, I met up with Scotty again, Peter again, and R.D., uh, and Yano Anaya, who I, I, I played Grover, I met up with him probably about five years ago. Um, and it's funny, uh, or, and Ian Petrello, who played Randy, um, we, we tour the country. We do these sort of uh, appearances every Christmas, and we raise money for the Boys and Girls Foundation in different cities. Um, and it's been, we, we do that over Thanksgiving and maybe into the beginning of the December month. And it's become uh, it's become a tradition with us that is really fun because you're you're spending time with people that you've known for 27 years, and oh my not God, a lot of people. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and especially as an actor, as a child actor, growing up and having shared experiences and being able to relate to one another in a way that very few people can. Oh, so it's it's not only been a huge part of my life uh, as an actor, but it's also become a huge part of my life. Um, Emotionally uh, and giving me a new family.
2: Well, it certainly is a wonderful cause for you all to be involved in, and I, I just think you've done so well in terms of of your acting career. And I was, uh, as we were talking um, before you came on the on the line, that uh, well you have over eighty films and TV appearances, and then Peter, uh, who played Ralphie. He yeah. has really been busy, too, especially uh, lately. C- could you tell our listeners what he's been involved in?
6: Well, Peter, um, Peter, the, the way that story goes, uh, Peter was here in Los Angeles and it was many, many years ago, and he was doing an uh, after-school special about not using steroids. And it was one of those... Um,
4: little shows
6: that says at the end of it, you know, the more you know, that type of thing. And uh, he did it, uh, the guy who was playing opposite him was a young actor named Vince Vaughn, and he (laughs) and Vince Vaughn became very close friends, and this is 25 years ago, or, yeah, 20 years ago. And so Peter and Vince Vaughn became best of buddies, and they started hanging out, and that was, they were just pals. And then as their careers started going in different ways, you know, Peter was still acting, but... He was actually learning from Bob Clark how to become a director, and uh, Peter was spending his time in the editing rooms, learning how to edit films, and uh, understand how to make movies from the inside out, as opposed to just being an actor, and when Vince Vaughn did Swingers, um, then Peter was introduced to John Favreau, who was the other lead of Swingers, and who was also working as becoming a director. And then Peter ended up uh, producing TV series with John Favreau on Bravo, right. uh, and it was called Dinner for Five, and it was John Favreau interviewing uh, four other um, named celebrities while they sat down and had dinner. And so Peter was producing that, and then Peter produced a movie with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, which was a uh, sequel to Swingers, and then they continued working together and. Uh I they did, did the they did the film Zathura They did, did um how they did something else, I can't remember. But they ended up doing um they ended up doing Iron Man. So Iron Man. Sure everybody's aware that Iron Man did Iron Man did pretty okay.
2: It did pretty okay. And and I was quite impressed with uh with Peter's directing uh, of Couples Retreat just this past oh, year. I
0: thought
2: Well be sure yeah, to see it good. because it's it's very, very good, and um, I definitely want to make sure that I ask you uh, this question because uh, I think I understand it, but it's interesting to get other people's opinions. Why do you think A Christmas Story is still so wildly popular? I know it's uh, it's played on television practically all, all during the month of December, and there are just so many fans that, that are – are so wild about this movie, and I'm one of them, of course. Why do you think it's it's, it's so well, popular still?
6: The reason the film is so popular is because it, it it grows with the audience. When you're a child and you're watching the movie, you identify with the kids and you identify with their trials and tribulations going through school, the silly stuff that they did, the competitions that they had, their desires for Christmas, quote, Christmas presents. Um, and that's and that's something that you relate to as a child. And when you watch the movie, you feel like you're identifying with the leads or the bully or uh, with the sidekick or the little brother, whomever it is. And as you start getting older, um, if you're a child and then you're in your 20s, you, you reflect back on that movie as if something that you watched when you were a kid. And so if, and it has that feeling of nostalgia and also um, uh, tradition for you. But then when you start getting a little older past that, you start looking at the film as an adult, watching children. And you relate to it differently because you see how you were treated by your, your parents and how you want to potentially treat your children. And what's interesting about that is wherever we travel, we, we meet people who are in their 70s, people who are in their 50s, in their 40s, their 30s, uh, children who are five years old, and they all love the movie because each single one of them identifies with the movie from a different viewpoint. And the reason the film is timeless Is because the theme of it is not about getting a Red Rider BB gun. The theme is classical. The theme is uh, stepping into manhood, earning the respect of your of your father, Um, and you can see it, it. It's it's symbolized by the wanting to get a Red Rider BB gun. But what that whole film is about is on Christmas morning after. Everybody's opened their presents, and the old man and the mom, they're sitting down, and the old man looks at Ralphie and says, well, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? He says, "Uh, eh, kind of. And the old man says, well, there's always next year. And they're sitting down, and he goes, yeah, there's next year. And the old man looks over and says, goes, oh, what, what's that? What's that over there? And Ralphie looks, where? Is that behind the tree? It's a long, tall, thin box. And Ralphie looks at the old man. The old man looks at Ralphie. And at that moment, they both know. Ralphie knows that that's the gun that he wanted. And his father is saying, I trust you, and I respect you mm-hmm. enough to take care of this. And at that moment, Ralphie has become the man in his father's eyes enough to earn the respect and trust to have the Red Ladder be begun. And that's why that film means something to people. Because it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what age you are, what color you are, what your religion is. Uh, everybody has a family or wishes they did have a family. And everybody wants to feel as if they're respected and trusted by the people they look up to. And that moment is that moment. That's the coming of age moment. And that's why, it, that's why it continues to make sense regardless of the age, regardless of the location. Because everyone has a family, whether they're
1: born into them
6: or they adopt them. And they're looking to be accepted and respected. And that will always be true.
2: Absolutely. What a great answer. I I hadn't uh, thought of the trust um, being an issue there. But you're right, and that is a universal theme. And then, of course, I think it's just such a entertaining film. From beginning to end, there's not one dull minute in that entire movie. Well, I don't want to take... This sounds like the right place to to cut in and to let you know that we're back live now, folks. It was such great fun to talk with Julie and Zach about a Christmas story. I want to thank them again for being such terrific guests. And thanks also to AJ and Nikki and Jazz for all their help, as well as to Danny Dyer and Richard B. Smart for today's Christmas music. Special thanks to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. I'm very sorry that we've been having technical difficulties with the chat and with the um, uh, phone connection for uh, people who wanted to, to call in. But but please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. We've invited some of our favorite film critics AJ Hockery, Diana Sanger, and James Colt Harrison to share their picks for the top 10 movies of 2016. You won't want to miss that. It should be another fun show. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R E E L realtalkreviews.com. Well, sorry to say, our time is almost up. So here's a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio. For their support, as well as to Nancy Lombardo, George Bettinger, Angela Drake Perry, the folks at Wackle Network, for their enthusiastic support for our show on their wonderful radio shows. Nancy is the host of Comedy Concepts right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 10:30 Eastern Time. George hosts the entertaining Mom and Pop Shop show on Tune In Radio from Miramar, Florida. And that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And the WACO Network offers something for everyone in its diverse programs airing on Mixler. That's M-I-X-L-R. And I'm pleased to report that Angela is a new uh, and very popular host at the Fallen Angel Productions uh, radio show. Now, here's a shameless plug. Folks, if you haven't ordered my award-winning new book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, which will be a wonderful gift for any movie fan that's on your shopping list. You can purchase this Kindle e-book for only $3.99 on Amazon.com. But I do want to thank so many of you who have purchased the book already and commented on it. I really appreciate it. And again, um, if you do have movie fans on your shopping list, remember the title, Cinema Stanzas Rhyming About Movies. That's all for now, folks. I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. And uh, to get you on the right track, here's Dave Barnes to close the show with his very spirited version of my favorite holiday song this year.
0: I don't want a life for Christmas. There's just one thing that I need. I don't care